so we are in our fourth part of our Redeemed series, and we've been talking about the fact that Jesus has redeemed us. And what that very simply means is that Jesus has bought us back. He's bought us back from our slavery to sin and brokenness and all the things that we were headed toward, that he has redeemed us and bought us back. That's what it means to be redeemed. And then Kelly in part two said that he didn't just redeem us from our sin, but then he redeemed us so that we could be his. We could belong to him and be his sons and daughters. And then last week, we just talked about the fact that our redemption should humble us and spotlight Jesus, that a spiritual ego has no place. The fact that we've been redeemed doesn't mean we're great. It means that he's great. And so we talked about really coming back to that place of saying, wow, I'm amazed at my redemption. I'm amazed that Jesus died for me and rose back from the dead. Now tonight, I just want to talk with you guys about another aspect of our redemption. And really the next two weeks, we're going to kind of tackle the same subject um, in slightly different ways. But tonight, I really want to talk about how our redemption intersects with our suffering with our suffering. There's all kinds of suffering that we experience in life. There are all kinds of things that we go through that are hard and difficult, and there's brokenness. And we know this is a broken world. We know there are things in this world that shouldn't be, right? We know that, that this is not necessarily like this, how God intended life to be and the world to be when he first created humanity. And so we kind of have to start to think about the things that we suffer. You know, I mean, there are, there are things that we go through that we just wish we didn't. There's, there's times we, all we could do is just groan. All we could do is cry. All we could do is just lay in our bed. All we can do is just try and figure out why we're going through this, right? There's just broken things. There's sickness. There's death. There's car accidents. There's debt. There's a band called Nickelback, which just causes <laughs> suffering. I mean, many things that cause suffering. But, um, you know, just to remind you guys of some of the ways that we suffer, um, I'll give you some examples. Some of us, we suffer because we're getting a little older, all right? There's not a ton of us, that group in this room, but, but, but there are some of us, aren't there? We're getting a little older. I remember a couple years ago, I was sliding into home, playing softball. I was on third base. I slid into home for the winning run. No, it was not the winning run. We were up by 15. The ball wasn't even being thrown home, but I still decided to slide because I thought I'd be smart. And uh, I ended up tearing my MCL in my leg. And um, I went to the doctor, and I'm sitting there, and... Uh, I'm saying, Doc, how long is this going to heal? I mean, I'm, we got a game like next week. I'm ready, right? And he's like, no, this is going to take some time because you're not 16 anymore. And I felt like choking him and saying, well, you can't breathe anymore. You know, like, like I got so angry and defensive. I'm like, I'm 35. I'm not like 90, all right? Like I, I, but, but he was absolutely, no offense if you're 90, uh, but he was absolutely right that it took time because when I was 16, I could get back up. I could heal quick. But man, you know, 35, 36 now is slightly different. And so we remember, we start to remember, wow, okay, we're living in a broken world, right? This isn't how it's supposed to be. Um, some of us, we, and on a serious note, we, we look at our kids, some of the parents in the room, and we see our kids suffer, you know, and we just want to, we just want to stop that. We just want to make sure that doesn't happen anymore. We see our kids get bullied at school, or we see them go through different sicknesses or illnesses or different um, pressures that they're put under at school and, and with friends. And, and we just, we're reminded we live in a broken world, right? I mean, some, some of the people in this room have, have watched loved ones go through chemo. Some, some of the people in this room have watched, you know, parents and grandparents um, succumb to things like Alzheimer's and dementia. We're, we're just reminded we live in a broken, horrible world sometimes, don't we? Um, I know several of you have lost loved ones. Uh, we've had, I think, five or six people in the last uh, few months here that have lost either grandparents or, or others. And in fact, Joe and Rose Patty, who are some of our community group leaders, are right now gathered as a family around her grandfather who's about to pass. And we're just reminded that we live in a broken world. We live in a place where there's suffering and there's hardship. So w what hope does our redemption bring? Like here, we, we talk about God, and, and a lot of times, 
when we suffer and we have these hardships in our lives, we begin to get pushed away from God and we begin to maybe suffer things like anxiety or depression or hopelessness. And so what hope does our redemption bring? What, why does it matter in the midst of suffering? And we've all been there, right? Where we're just kind of angry at God and we just can't understand. We're praying, we think we're praying the right way, we think we're praying the right words, but still there's no change. And we start to think to ourselves, what is going on here? Why, if I'm saved, why am I going through this? What does, doesn't, doesn't and shouldn't my redemption make a difference here? The fact that I'm yours, the fact that, like Kelly said, I belong to you, I'm your child. Like, why isn't it seeming to make a difference? So really, tonight I want to give you one answer to that question, and, and next week I want to give you another answer to that question. But as we look at this tonight, I think you're going to find tremendous hope because the truth is our redemption does provide incredible hope. The fact that you and I have been bought back by God and adopted to be his own children brings incredible and beautiful hope. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, we're so glad that you are here. And the truth is, is um, pain and suffering often push people away from God. Pain and suffering often make God look unpalatable. And tonight, I hope that you'll see what God has done for us in the midst of pain and suffering. And I hope that you'll see the hope that he can offer you. And so what we're gonna do tonight is we're gonna, we're gonna read some verses that were written by a guy who suffered terribly. He had incredible hardship. He knew he lived in a broken world. And here's the amazing thing about him. He suffered terribly, but he had this incredible hope. You see, where his, his uh, redemption and his suffering intersected, there was this incredible hope that was created there. And I tell you, this guy suffered in his body, He suffered incredible rejection. He suffered betrayal. He suffered emotionally. He suffered physically. And so more than probably any of us will ever suffer, we can learn from this guy his incredible hope in his redemption. So we're going to look here at Romans 8, verse 18. It's going to be just like last week. Remember last week, as we looked at what Paul had to say, we're going to be looking at some things Paul has to say tonight too. Paul was kind of confusing. Remember that? We started out the message and I kind of said, all right, guys, hang out with me. It's a bit confusing. And so hang in there. We're going to get incredibly clear, all right? So Romans 8, here's what he says. And again, we start out confusing, but we'll get clear. Uh, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Okay, he says, okay, okay let's, let's just validate. See, I like this about God and I like this about Paul is that he validates that we suffer, right? That's the first part of the verse. I consider our present sufferings. I consider that they're real. I consider that they hurt. I consider that sometimes I just want to groan and I just want to lay in my bed and I can't even imagine facing another day. I consider that these present sufferings exist. And so God, you know, I hope you know, he's not turning a blind eye to your suffering. He's not, you know, saying, oh, just get over it. Come on, what are you whining about? This isn't even a big deal. No, he's, he's right here validating that we have suffering. But look at what he says about it. He says, I consider that these present sufferings aren't worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Well, what is Paul saying here? He's saying, okay, we suffer and life is really hard and it really hurts sometimes, but there's something coming. There's something coming that's gonna be better than than all this suffering, than all this pain and all this hardship. And he's gonna kind of walk us through and help us see what that is. But verse 19, we get a little bit foggy here. And again, we're gonna try to get clear by the end. But verse 19, he says, the creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed, okay? He says, all right, the, the creation around us is like waiting for something to happen, like waiting for God to do something. Now, the truth is, is the creation doesn't have a soul, right? Creation doesn't have a personality. Creation can't talk. So what he's doing here is Paul is using uh, something called personification. You guys remember like seventh, eighth grade uh, 
English class, right, and personify this. And, and you, basically, personification means you take something non-living and you ascribe a personality to it. So here he is saying creation is waiting. Creation is hungry for this, for God to show up and do something. I'll give you an example of personification. I've told you guys this before. If you've been around, you maybe remember. But uh, when I was about 20, I was in a band called Fuse, and I, I was the lyric writer for the band. And we were recording at Jim Besher's studio, this guy right here. And um, we were in there recording a song called Turnaround. I'll never forget, right? And the verses were kind of like sad and dreary and talking about how, how life's hard. And then the chorus was to get all hopeful and big. And I remember I'm singing the lyrics uh, on the first take. And, and as I'm singing them, I sing the song where I was trying to use some personification. The lyric was this, the sun is hiding behind Mr. Cloud. Sun's hiding behind Mr. Cloud. I mean, that was just deep. And it was just, you know, kind of personifying the cloud and the sun. It was just a whole beautiful image. And as I'm going through, Jim just stops the take. He goes, that was horrible. Like, what was that? And so to this day, 16 years later, if you walk past Jim and I in the lobby, we say, hey, Cloud, how's it going? In fact, we just did it about eight minutes ago. Hey, Cloud, how you doing, Cloud? And so that's a really bad uh, understanding of what personification is. But here's Paul going, okay, let's, let's put it this way. Let's put it this way. Creation, if it had a voice, here's what it would say. It would say this world's broken. It would say that there's a lot of suffering and there's a lot of pain. You know what creation would say if it had a voice? It would say it wasn't always like this. It would say there's something better coming. And so maybe even creation, if it had a personality and had a soul, it would understand that these present sufferings, these hardships, they're, they're, they're not even comparable to what's coming. So creation's waiting for God to do something huge. And then it says this, verse 20, and we gotta just stick with me. I know it's a little confusing. For the creation was subjected to frustration, okay? So creation is waiting for God to come and do something because creation was frustrated. Creation stopped being perfect. And the reason it stopped being perfect was because sin entered the equation. When sin entered the equation, everything broke, right? Everything broke. And so creation is, again, longing for God to show up and make things right again. And so sin enters the picture and everything kind of falls apart. And I mean, the Bible tells us like that, that work used to be pleasurable and it was fun. And man, I'm out there weeding right now. It is not fun, right? I mean, I would rather do like an all-day princess movie marathon with my daughter than do weeding. And I'll tell you, both those things are from the fall, okay? I just say so you know. But I despise weeding. I, I enjoy weeding for about the first one half second, and I'm getting rolling, and then all of a sudden I'm like, this is just a nightmare. I just don't have the patience for it. But that's a part of the fall. Everything broke. Everything got hard. Everything fell apart. But the interesting thing about this verse and the next one is that it says here, it says creation was subject to frustration. But look what it says, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope. Okay, now if I were to ask a bunch of people, who do you think frustrated creation? Like who do you think basically looked at creation and said, okay, there's gonna be a time where things are broken. I would guess most people probably say that's our fault because of sin, and there's some truth to that. And I'd say a lot of people would say, oh, who, 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 frust- who frustrated it? Well, it was Satan. Satan kind of took over, and this is his world now, and it's his domain. But let me just ask you a question. Does Satan do anything in hope? Right? Satan doesn't do anything in hope. Satan wouldn't frustrate all creation in hope of anything. And so the truth you have to understand here is God is actually the one who subjected all of creation, to this brokenness right now, but in hope for a reason. Watch where we go. 
with this. Look, in hope, that verse 21, that the creation itself would be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. The hope is that God will relieve us from the brokenness of this world. And so here we are all looking around, just being real, just like God's real. God's real going, yeah, I know, it hurts. Life hurts. And, and I think if you're angry at God tonight, just, just let me say this. Maybe this is what you need tonight. Just to remember that God entered into that hurt, right? God entered into this brokenness. God subjected this world to frustration and then joined the frustration of it. Jumps right in for you and I to do what we've been talking about, to buy us back and to redeem us and adopt us and make us his own. But there we are kind of caught in this place where our our suffering and our redemption are intersecting. And then it says in verse 22, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. So you gotta imagine a mother who's in labor and she's fighting through it and she's thinking, okay, there's something better coming. There's something better coming. This, This is horrible. This hurts. This is broken, but there's something better coming. My Uncle Mike tells the story about my Aunt Margaret. My Aunt Margaret, she, she's a Georgian lady. She's sweet and nice and likes tea, right? And, uh, and she's just the sweetest lady in the whole world. She actually cares for people who are in hospice and are dying. I mean, just the most wonderful woman in the whole world. But my Uncle Mike tells the story that when my Aunt Margaret was in labor with her first child, he was there, he's holding her hand, he's trying to coach her through it, and the pain's getting intense, and he's going, honey, honey, I know, we're gonna get there, we're gonna get there, you're gonna have a child soon, and just breathe like they taught us to in the class, and he's leaned over her. He says that she actually bench-pressed him up off the ground and said, shut up, Michael, okay? <laughs> so when you're there in the midst of the pain, right, it's a whole different story, but man, listen, listen, in a few minutes, in a few minutes, in a little while after that, There was the child. There was the baby. There it was. It was worth it. And here, Paul's saying a similar thing. He's saying, okay, all of creation has been groaning. We've been in pain. But there's something better coming. Then he goes on. He says, not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly. So we who are followers of Jesus and who God's Spirit's in us, man, we groan sometimes too, don't we? Life's hard sometimes. You know, somebody once said that groaning counts as prayer. That, that, that when all you can do is just, is just moan and, and almost plead to God, when all you can do is just get a sound out of just, even if it's just raw pain and emotion, God's still there on the other side of that. God sees the longing in your heart and in my heart. And remember, God frustrated all creation in hope. In hope of what? In hope of what? As we eagerly await, here it is, here's our hope. As we eagerly await our adoption as sons, and here's our word, the redemption of our bodies. And so God says, okay, because of sin, because of brokenness, because of what has happened here, everything is frustrated and it's not what it was and it's not what it should be. But I'm telling you what, the day's gonna come for your complete and total adoption and redemption. Now we gotta talk about this a little bit because it seems a little confusing because through this whole series, I've been talking about redemption as something that's already happened for us, right? And Kelly, when she spoke about adoption a few weeks ago, she talked about how God has adopted us, right? So why does it say that we wait? What are we waiting for? Why are we waiting for our adoption and our redemption? Well, let me say it this way. I think 
We are 100% adopted and redeemed today, but we're just waiting to go home. We're waiting for the complete, absolute, total adoption and redemption of these broken bodies and in this broken world. I'll give you an example. I have several friends who have adopted kids from other countries. And it's a really long, drawn-out process. Often takes weeks. And so I've had friends who have adopted more than one child at a time, too. I have some friends that adopted, uh, I think, three and then four um, they have like, literally, they have like four of their own kids and another eight adopted, so 12 kids. And, and so they've gone to these other countries and, and they've spent weeks trying to adopt. And, and here's the thing, you ready? The day comes where the kids come out, right? The kids come out and they belong. They belong to my friends, Paul and Chrissy. But they're not home yet. They're not home yet. They're still on a journey, okay? They 100% belong to Paul and Chrissy, but there's gonna be some really long plane rides ahead. If you've ever been on a plane with a little kid, there's gonna be suffering, I'm just telling you, all right? And so there's some long plane rides ahead, and you just have to imagine this. We're talking about a father and mother who just met these kids. And so, like, I know my own kids their whole lives, and they're still crazy sometimes, right, on a plane or whatever. And so just imagine you with four kids you just met from another country who don't even necessarily speak your language. I'm telling you, there's some suffering ahead on this road trip home. There's probably going to be some layovers. There's probably going to be some trying to sleep in airports. There's going to be discomfort. There's going to be some suffering. But the day will come when they're home. And when they walk through that door, here's what's going to feel for them. Our adoption's complete. Our redemption. Let me tell you about redemption. You see, some of my friends that adopted these kids got them out of horrific, horrific environments in orphanages in other countries where they were being physically and sexually abused. My friends literally redeemed them from that. And so from the moment they were there and the papers were signed and the money was paid and they said, here, you may now leave with your children, they were fully adopted and redeemed, but they weren't home yet. And that's a good picture of you and I. You're adopted. You belong to God if you're a Christian. You're redeemed. He's rescued you from your sin. He's bought you back from your slavery. But we're not home yet. And so we suffer still. And there's brokenness still. And there's hardship still. But we have to remember that it's not gonna compare to what home's gonna be like. I just imagine my friend in the, in the airplane or in the airport saying, bud, I know this is uncomfortable, but Wait till you see your room. Wait till you're home. Wait till you can play with your toys for the first time. Wait till you belong. Wait till you have one of mom's home-cooked meals. It's gonna be like you've never dreamed, literally for these kids, like they never had dreamed. And that's so true for you and I. The suffering feels huge right now. I get it. I mean, you guys know, I've been very transparent with the stuff my family's gone through over the last several years of suffering and sickness and all kinds of stuff. You know, let's just be real about it. It hurts. We have moments where we shake our fists at God. We have moments where we don't get it and we plead and we cry and we groan. But I think to put it all in perspective where our redemption and our suffering intersect, we find great hope in what Paul is telling us tonight. That that day is coming. The redemption of our bodies, these broken bodies no longer being broken, no longer living in environments where there is brokenness. And then look what he says in verse 24. He says, for in this hope, we are saved. In this hope, we're saved. This hope that Jesus loves us and he died on the cross and he rose again and we will be with him one day and there'll be no more suffering and no more pain and no more hardship and no more sickness and no more death and no more cancer and no more Alzheimer's, no more dementia, 
No more autoimmune disease. No more anger. No more hate. No more unforgiveness. No more rage. No more temptation. No more doubt. No more lust. No more impurity. That day's coming. That day's coming. That's what Paul's trying to get us excited about. Here's a guy who's, you know, been in jail, been beaten, been betrayed, tried to kill him several times, and he's going, look, these are, these are light and momentary afflictions compared to what is to come. See, I don't think Paul was out of touch, okay? I think sometimes we look at Paul, we're like, you just got beat up. They left you for dead. They threw rocks at you and thought you were dead, and they left, you're gonna tell me that's light and momentary? No, see, I don't think Paul was saying, oh yeah, that was a great time, what a blast. I think he's saying, no, my salvation and the redemption of what I'll have someday will make that look like it was light and momentary. So whatever you suffer today, and whatever I suffer today, we're not making them look small. We're not trying to say, just get over it. Come on, you can just push it aside. No, no, we're saying, look, these are real. These sufferings are real, they hurt. But the truth is that what's to come is so much greater. And so what I want you to know about your redemption tonight when it intersects with your suffering is this. And our redemption will bring us to heaven where all will be perfect again. That's the, off, that's, the, that's the hope that your redemption and my redemption offers us. Our redemption will bring us to heaven where all will be perfect again. Every aspect will be perfect. I, 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 I just love this idea that what is redeemed is everything, our bodies, our relationships, our financial struggles, gone. All of our sin struggles, gone. All of our insecurities, gone. All of our doubts, is God there, is he not? Gone, he's right in front of me. What a day, what a hope, what an amazing thing you and I have to cling to and live for. And so if you're in the midst of incredible suffering, which many of us in this room are, if you're thinking about the loved one that you lost, if you're thinking about a relationship that just fell apart, if you're thinking about your financial situation that just feels like a ridiculous weight on you, if you're thinking about your own test results that are coming back or someone that you love, today you can know it's gonna end. It's gonna end. Somebody once said you can do anything for a time. You can do anything for a time. Just knowing there's an end date Sometimes is all you need. And if you're a follower of Jesus, there's an end date on your suffering. There's an expiration date on every turmoil in your life and in my life. And that's the incredible hope that we have in him. So here's what we do. We keep our eyes on Jesus. We keep our eyes on him. We keep our eyes fixed on him. We keep our eyes fixed on the hope. Sometimes there are days because of one thing or another that I'm suffering you know, the, I can thank God for a bunch of different stuff and that's good, but ultimately, sometimes it just comes down to, God, I thank you that one day these sufferings will end and I'll just be in your presence. I thank you, God, these financial situations, they're just not gonna exist one day. Like, it's gonna be done. The pressure that I feel in this area or the, the sadness or, or that I miss this person or that person or, man, that's, that's just not gonna be an issue forever. Now, here's when I wanna give you a little more hope. Some of you guys are thinking, okay, that's all you got, Doug. That's all you got. So I'm just gonna hold on for the next however long my life is, 50, 60, 70 years. And then one day I get to be in heaven. And that's not all I got. We got next week too. But for tonight, do you see the incredible hope that comes from our Savior? Let me show you the best illustration I know of this. Some of you guys have been praying for a little boy named Ben Sauer. Ben's five years old. And uh, Ben had cancer just 
destroying his whole body. His parents were strong followers of Jesus. And basically, if you're on Facebook, you've probably seen a picture of this little boy because it just blew up. It's everywhere and everyone's been praying for Ben. Well, this past Wednesday, Ben passed away, five years old, and he died. And I went to his mother's blog because his mother has uh, been writing throughout the whole process uh, through this journey. And I just wanted to see what she had to say the day after he died. And here's what she said. Heaven makes all the difference. Because God conquered death, he paved the way for us to be with him forever in eternity. Because we serve a living God who loves us even more than we can imagine, we can have confidence in his ability to care for our loved ones after they take their last breath. Because of heaven, I know that I'll be reunited with my Benjamin again someday. And so will Jack and the rest of us that love Jesus. I'm really going to miss this little boy. He was a gift. But I echo the words as my young, of my young sister Maria wrote on her blog tonight. This is powerful. We mourn his loss on this end deeply. We always will. I don't know that I'll ever see our family as complete without him. We might have lost him, but he's not lost. God has him. God has us. He's just holding us on different sides of eternity. That's the hope. That's, that's what a mother can write the morning after her five-year-old child passes away. She's mourning. She's broken. She's sad. I read through the whole blog and the moments of the boy passing, and it was heart-wrenching. I'm sitting at my office just crying. But here's the hope. Is that, I think it's a two-sided hope. I think if you're looking at that and there's anything in you that gets emotional as you read through that, why was I crying in my office the other day? Two reasons. Number one, because this is a broken world. And it hurts. A five-year-old little boy shouldn't die, right? See, that's where our, our suffering comes in. But then our redemption comes in too, doesn't it? I think this story makes us emotional because it brings our suffering and our redemption together right where they intersect. Because I think the second reason we get emotional is because we think about the hope. We think about the fact that this little boy is no longer in pain. We think about the fact that he won't have chemo treatments ever again, that his parents will never have to see him cry like that again because that's what God does. He takes the brokenness and he redeems it. He buys back. He makes it new. And so that little boy, Ben, he's home. He's fully redeemed. No more brokenness and no more sadness. And so for you tonight, I don't know what thing you may be suffering but I can tell you this, that if you have a relationship with Jesus, your redemption will bring you to heaven where all will be perfect again. Let's pray. God, we are just hopeful that we've been redeemed. Hopeful, God, what amazing hope you bring to those of us who call you our Savior and our God. God, we are so grateful, Lord, that you desire to bring the people in this room to a place of freedom. That God, the day will come, you want to bring us to a place of complete redemption, Lord, where our bodies no longer hurt and ache and are plagued with sickness and disease, where our world no longer knows suffering and war and debt and anger and unforgiveness and sin and temptation, but God, that we'll come back to a place of perfection, Lord. We thank you that, Jesus, you didn't pretend there was no such thing as suffering, but that you dove right into it. 
You saw suffering for what it was and you came and you took it at its worst for us. And so God, I pray for all of us in the room tonight that are angry at you. That we've been shaking our fists at you, God. And I just pray that God, we just think about that for a second, that God, you dove right into it with us. That you get it and you know our pain and you know our hurt. And you came to redeem us out of it. You came to, to help us with all creation to be longing for this day for the sons of God to be revealed, the daughters of God to be revealed. The redemption of our bodies, our complete and total adoption. And so I thank you, God, that there is an expiration date on every one of our sufferings. And I thank you, God, that you will give us grace to continue to keep our eyes on you. If you're a follower of Jesus, would you just fix your eyes on Jesus right now? Would you see him as greater and more beautiful than your suffering? Would you see your redemption and eternity as greater than what you might be going through right now? Would you thank him that it's gonna be over one day, that there's gonna be an expiration date? Hey, we believe in this church that God can heal and save and, and free and, and there, there's gonna be many of us that are freed and delivered of our afflictions before we ever get to heaven. But can we just, just celebrate and rejoice tonight that even if that weren't the case, that still there's gonna be a day. So if you're a Christian, just spend that time with Jesus. If you're not a Christian tonight, if you're not a follower of Jesus, I just wanna encourage you to put your trust in Jesus tonight, to put your faith in him. He loves you. He came and he jumped in the middle of our suffering to redeem you along with me. I'm nobody special. I'm not better than you. And so just like me, just like the people sitting around you, just like the people up on the stage, or just people who have looked to Jesus to be our savior, who put our trust in him. And he's redeemed us and we begin to see him make a great difference in our lives. And so if you wanna put your faith in him tonight, I would encourage you just to silently pray something like this to God, just between you and him. Jesus, thank you for coming. Thank you for suffering in my place. Thank you for taking my place on the cross and for forgiving me of my sin. I thank you. You know what it is to suffer. You know what it is to hurt. You know what it is to, to only be able to groan. But I thank you that you rose back out of that grave. And that is my hope. And so would you redeem me, God? Would you buy me back from my sin and my shame? And would you show me how real you are? Thank you for your love and thank you for this amazing redemption which will bring me to heaven where all will be perfect again.